0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollar per order, additional term supply.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. Mike, Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And Mickey, you finished nine and eight, beat the Falcons handily 48-17. You win four of your last five. So many positive things to build upon, except probably that 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 thing at the top of the list, which would be, you know, win the you know, win the division or or make the playoffs. So and that's where it begins, right? Yeah, it, it definitely begins there um, because
2: that's that you know that's the goal in the beginning of the season, and I think it was a very realistic goal to um, have double-digit wins and to win the division was very realistic, and we didn't get that accomplishment. So um, overall, I would say it was just a disappointing season. Um, I do like, uh, as you mentioned, that we finished. Um, you know, one four of the last five finished really strong. We saw, um, we saw a number, a number of times, a number of games where, look, it looked like um, a good performance offense, defense, and special teams, and so that's encouraging. Um, but we've got to be able to do that consistently throughout an entire season.
1: Let's talk about Derek Carr uh, and two two questions on him. First off, just his availability. 17 starts. Uh, we've seen the impact throughout the league, you know, for many, many teams because of quarterbacks being injured. Just, I mean, he he fought through. It wasn't, he went 100% every week, right, at those starts, but he fought through some stuff, you know, this year. Yeah, I think, and I,
2: I think really people don't realize how hurt that he was during the year and still rolled it out there, still played, played well. Um did some really good things uh, in spite of, um, you know, having a really banged up body and, and look, the best ability is availability. Right. And so we, we, we were lucky enough during the Drew Brees years to have him available. Um, you know, 95% or whatever percentage of time that he was available. That's not common in our league. Um, we saw a number of quarterbacks go down during the course of this season and every season. And so for for Derek to to be able to go out there, tough it out when he's hurt, um, that j- that just speaks to how tough he is.
1: And certainly towards the end, right? I mean, his numbers, you know, you look at the last five, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions against Atlanta. He was 22 of 28. Again, like a 75%, 74.8 completion percentage. And, you know, even though he was here, you know, from March of, of last year, beginning of the season, went through the whole thing, you know, he wasn't taking steps with A.T. Perry, he went on the team yet. I mean, there's there's yeah. a growth, right, that, that goes through the season uh, for Derek Carr, right? Yeah, I think that there's, uh,
2: you're exactly right. I think there's an acclimation, uh, no matter how much of a veteran player you are, you have to uh, uh, get acclimated to your teammates, to the offense that you're running, the play calling, the Tempo that we play at. There's all kinds of things that are different, you know. When you change teams, and and uh, look, I, I think I think Derek did a really good job in a lot of areas. I mean, he was a top ten um, uh, quarterback in our league. He just is. I, look at the rating points. Look at the look at the numbers. Look at the performance. Um, we get a little, you know, we we get extra critical because we we only won nine games. I get it. Uh, we should be critical but there's a lot of good things that he did. And I think it bodes well going forward.
1: You talked to the team, uh, I believe after the season, just broadly speaking, what was the message?
2: Yeah, I, you know, look, I did do that. Um, I don't do it very often and it's really a message just for the players. And so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, You know, trying to set the tone uh, for what we expect going forward and, and i thought it was uh well received
1: we talked about derek and we didn't really talk about a lot of the offensive players but we you know get to some of them but i wanted to talk about your defensive players as well and again you know the the positives that you build on with like jordan howden and, and not not even the young guys but uh, isaac Yedem, you know jonathan Abr- abram uh brian brzee uh, there seems to be the, the the building block there maybe and i don't know how much you expected Jordan Howden or Isaac yet. him to even play this year, but they seem to have been you know pretty significant factors when you needed them the most.
2: Yeah. There was a number of guys that, um, that's, that, uh, stepped up during the course of the season, some that you kind of expect to, and some that you don't. Um, yeah, I thought Isaac had a really good season for us, you know, after Marshawn was hurt and, and he got uh, pushed into the action, Jordan Howden, um, You know, we look, we drafted him with the idea that he was going to become a good player. And and look, that timetable gets sped up a little bit, but he made good progress. John Abram, who came in here, um, you know, after being a high pick for another team and and trying to find a home. I thought he did a great job for us and really appreciated his uh, his contribution to our team in the locker room, uh, as well as on the field. Um, We had some young um, you know, a young receiver, A.T. Perry, who who was thrust into action and and did some good things. Now, none of them are finished products, right? Um, but they all made progress. They all did some good things. The guys that we expected to make progress, Brian Brzee, um, he, made, he made progress. We had some um, free agents, Nate Shepard and Colin Saunders, who came here at the defensive tackle position. And I thought they did some good things for us. Uh, Carl Granderson took a step forward, so we had a lot of younger players uh, make make significant steps. You know, Paulson Adebo at his best year. Um, we've been waiting for him because we know we know the ability that he has. I thought Alante lot. Taylor um, inconsistent, but did and showed some good things for us, and so I'm excited about his prospects. Um, you know, Tyron Matthew did. Did some really good things for us um as a veteran player, things that we expected. and so there's there's some there's some really good positive things that come out of a season, and yet, and there's still the bad taste of you know nine and eight. that's that's a bad taste for us. And I hope that our standards are much higher than just having a winning season.
1: And one of the things that you were able to do along the way during the season, right before the season and, you know, in camp was to lock up some of these players, right? To get, you know, you, you did a lot of work uh, during the season and right before the season of getting some of these guys into, you know, that were, I don't want to say vulnerable, but, uh, you know, get them get up like Carl ground and so get these, you know, some of these guys locked down.
2: Yeah, that's, and that, look, that's a double-edged sword sometimes um, because you're speculating about, you know, their progress. Um, And sometimes, you know, when you you sign a contract, somebody, you know, that player, you know, exhales and and relaxes a little bit and doesn't make as much progress as you want. So it's always a double-edged sword. But um, I'm happy with where we're at. Uh, We've got some more work to do. We've got a lot of decisions to make. Um,
1: But I think there's a lot of positive things. Need to take a break. We'll be right back with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee
3: In the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
1: welcome back mike hoss along with saints executive vice president and general manager mickey loomis this is the saints hour and i guess just take me through the process if you will i read that you know david tepper of carolina is asking to interview kai harley how does that work from a promotion lateral move what has to happen for you guys give you know i guess give him permission yeah well um
2: yeah kai kai we were uh, kai was requested to interview for um for carolina's general manager position jeff ireland has been requested uh to talk to um the chargers about their position really all they have to do is just notify uh, the team that they want to do that. There's no permission that needs to be granted because it's a promotion for each of those guys to a to the top, you know, football executive. So there's no permission that has to be asked. They just they just notify you that that's what they're going to do, and then and then uh, certainly our guys, you know, need to prepare and, and be ready to uh, to interview and put their best foot
1: forward. So as long as it's an advancement, like it has to be, you can't you know go lateral, right? Yeah, they couldn't. Uh, uh, they couldn't notify the
2: Saints that they want to interview me, for example, because I'm already uh, the top football executive. So, but if it's if it's a position that's the assistant GM or personnel director, and they're interviewing for the top football position, then um, they just notify. They don't have to have to ask for permission.
1: And I guess I'll get my process questions out of the way. I guess the process moving forward for you, as far as meetings with. Dennis and Mrs. Benson and your staff. So Coach Allen last night said he kind of takes a week, you know, to get all the emotions out of it before he meets with his staff. What What is your schedule moving forward with that? Yeah, same thing. You know, we're in here this week. We're just talking about a few
2: things um, that are more procedural. You know, how do we want this offseason uh, and the evaluations to go? And then uh, starting next week, we'll we'll start talking about the player evaluations and, and um, move on from there. And, and look, the, 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 um, the process of evaluating, you know, college players for this draft is already deep. We're deep into it. Jeff and his staff and, and, and Dennis and I all get, um, start getting involved in that very, very shortly.
1: I'm assuming you are watching the game where kind of we are, at least on the 700 level, uh, which puts the Chris Olave catch for the touchdown at the far Northeast corner, just first impressions or reaction on that play from what you could see. Um, Well,
2: look, it's, it wasn't a lot different from a lot of his catches. I mean, Chris is so athletic. He he does things that, you know, most human beings can't do. And that's just another one. It's, it's, it's athleticism. It's, it's hand-eye coordination. It's all these things that, that uh, contribute to him being, you know, a, a really unique talent. And, and, you know, I, I don't know what more to say about it than that. It's just, it's not surprising, it, you know, because we've seen things like that. We've seen it in practice at times. And, and it, it, you know, Chris is one of these guys that he's one of these athletes that makes everything look easy. And, um, you know, we've all seen those athletes in different sports that they don't even look like they're putting out a, a, a huge effort, and it just makes it look easy. And yet, we know it's
1: not. Right. No. Really, I was like, it was such a phenomenal play. I was like, don't let some tic tac like he didn't have possession or get both feet in. It was like that was so amazing. Make make this count. I was like, it was. Yeah. It was just uh, so impressive. Um, but so, you talked a little bit about uh, Brian Brazil. I mean, I'm curious as to. What you saw in his growth because it just felt like you know, man, he kind of came into his own the last half of the season and just put on some moves that you go, Whoa, you know, give that kid two or three years down the road. And I know GMs and coaches don't like spotlighting particular players, particularly rookies, yeah, you know, with what you saw because you know, you know, from him uh, being a first rounder, you know, the 29th pick, yeah, I think, uh, um, I would say this, I think.
2: He definitely has the abilities that we all thought he had. Um, I think he's probably a little rawer in terms of development than what we originally thought he might be. Um, I think the light did kind of come on the last half of the season. I think he's been well coached. I think Todd and, and, and Brian Young have done a really good job with him. And I, we see the progress. I hope that, um, he doesn't feel satisfied because he's got, he's still got a long way to go. And yet, man, we see these flashes and we see these things that he can do. And we just want more of it.
1: He battled through injuries, uh, but I was, I would suspect that this will be a very important off season for Trevor Penning. No. Yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's an important off season for him. And um yeah, he, we've got to we've got to give him. We we've got to put him in the situation to be successful. You know, we've got to help him with his development, um, with his confidence. He's got the ability to be a uh, uh, a really good player in our league, uh, but we've got to enable that by giving, putting him in the right environment, uh, giving him the right development, and uh, we'll do that. We will do that.
1: This is not uh trevor related but just the, the situation overall just generically but you see players come in from some smaller schools who've maybe been you know had you know not big fish in a small pond but something like that and they have some success early and then they have you know some time struggling and it, it is a confidence thing right i mean you must have seen this before with players that have kind of been in that situation and kind of how to get out of it how, how to develop them out of it yeah it well it's a lot of things and and look
2: in trevor's case Look, he did come from a smaller school. I wouldn't say it was a small school. It was a smaller school. Um, but he, look, he had some success playing against against better competition. I, I think the biggest uh, issue for us was, man, he was hurt um, half of his first season. He didn't have a, a real offseason this last year. And so, you know, the He's behind in development, but it's not really his fault. It wasn't his fault that he got hurt. Um, it wasn't his fault that this offseason he was unable to to do the things that you normally get to do going into your second year. And so we probably threw him out there a little too soon, and and uh, it was unfair. And so we've got to get that corrected.
1: I know, Coach, I don't talk about it, but I guess on the whole Jamal Williams victory touchdown one, if you have any comment, two, do you, is there going to be trickle down? Do you think that maybe next year, I mean, certainly when you play Atlanta both times, this will it'll it'll probably rear its head. but do you think there'll be any trickle down impact from this? Oh, I don't know. I, I,
2: look, I think we should have nailed it down. Yes, I understand what the players did. I don't think it was malicious on their part. They're just trying to do something for a teammate. I completely understand it. There's nothing malicious about it. Yet, I wish it hadn't happened. I don't think it's the right thing. I don't I don't think, look, I think it's been made a bigger deal of than it needs to be. And yet, I don't think, um, I think sportsmanship is a good thing to talk about. Um, I don't think we talked about it enough in all of our uh, uh, endeavors, uh, particularly, you know, uh, NFL games. Sportsmanship's a good thing. And uh, it sends the right message. But I also think, it's kind of being overblown. I mean um, players are trying to just do something for their teammate. It wasn't that they were trying to embarrass the Falcons. They're just trying to do something for, for Jamal and, and themselves. And, um, and I understand why Atlanta and their coach would be upset. So um, I guess that's all I've got to say about it.
1: And conversely, this will be the last question on this topic was that the, whole fallout of dennis's reaction Uh, and you and i've talked about this before that well he's lost the team it's like what's he supposed to say right oh that's just stupid right that's just that's
2: just that's just people making comments to make comments it's stupid to say that there's not one player that would say that that's not you know they were just trying to do a favor and do something good what they perceived as good for a teammate had nothing to do with uh um Yeah, defying the head coach or anything like that's just silly. That's just overthinking.
1: You take a quick break. This is the Saints Hour by Costs. along with Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. Back after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Welcome back. This is the Saints Hour, Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. We talked to Dennis Allen last night. He was going to watch the game, Michigan and Washington. He said he wanted Michigan just because he didn't have to listen to the Pac-12, Oregon, Northwest corner of the country. But did you watch it? And have you you caught a little flack already today?
2: Yes, I did. (laughs) And uh, the second... And yeah. And look, Washington is a rival of my school, Oregon. And yet I was um, I would probably say I was in the Washington corner because of the Pac-12 ties. Um, but Michigan played a fantastic game, well coached, um, played as well as you can play and, and deserved to win the national championship. And so kudos to them. And now I got to listen to the Michigan guys that uh, on our staff.
1: Well, it could have been worse. It could have been Ohio State. You got a lot more of those, and uh, right, that's uh, right. <laughs> so after kind of the next few weeks, kind of play themselves out, and kind of the break, I guess, between Senior Bowl and Legacy Bowl. Like, I mean, what, what? How do you kind of unplug? We asked this to Dennis yesterday. He didn't really. I don't think he does unplug. But what do you kind of do to kind of re- recharge for the next season? Yeah, um, ask a good question.
2: Look, you know, I've got, I've got, uh, you know, young kids that uh, pay attention to. I got a couple grandkids that uh, I'm going to pay attention to. Um, look, I, am excited for next season already, which, um, typically doesn't happen for me for a, a few weeks, but I just see the possibilities that we have. Um, I'm excited about it. And actually I'm kind of anxious to get going on next year, even, even this soon, which, um, may sound a little odd, but um, I'm excited about our prospects. I really am. And and I hope that – I know that our staff is. I know that our players are. And uh, we've got some work to do, and so let's get to it.
1: In late January and then in February again, I just mentioned the Senior Bowl, late January, HBCU Legacy Bowl. How do those kind of play into – are they just kind of pieces to the puzzle as you work towards – you know Indianapolis and, and 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 all the pro days and, and and everything like that. Yeah, well I you know I think first look we,
2: we we go through an evaluation of our own team. We kind of assess where we're at the the um, the areas that we you know want to improve, the areas that we can improve internally, and then you know Dennis and I and and uh, some of our other people are going to get brought up to speed on this year's college class. Uh, Jeff and his staff do a great job of that. And then we'll, we'll dive right in. Um, you know, those, those all-star games um, and the combine are kind of our first pass at, at, at touching some of those players and, and um, you know, getting to know their strengths and weaknesses. And then, you know, we're right into uh, right into the draft at that point.
1: You're looking next year. Uh, just two more questions. First off, the draft 14th pick, you um, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what the question is, but uh, you, you'd like to be drafting much later because that would have meant a, a better season. But, you know, I, I don't know. Does that, is that a spot where you can have some flexibility to move back and, and yeah. move up might be tough, but maybe move back to what you want to do? Yeah, I think it, I think it's actually a good, you know, we're 9-8, and eight, and I think there
2: were five or six teams that were 9-8, and eight, and we get to pick first of all those 9-8 and eight teams. So we could have been picking 20th. Um, I'd much rather pick 14th um then then 20th uh because you know you're going to have an opportunity you know it's a good spot to hey we can move up a few spots if we need to at not too expensive a cost and we might be able to slide back i know i never slide back but we may be able to slide <laughs> back and pick something up and still still mathematically possible <laughs> right uh, we we can still get an equivalent player uh uh so i kind of like the spot um and look, I from what I've seen so far, I think this is a, a pretty deep, pretty good, good uh, draft class. So I, we're going to get some uh, not just one good player. We're going to get some good players in this deal. And and you know where and what position and all that r- remains to be seen. Um, but I know we're going to improve our team.
1: So for the first time since they've gone to the seventeen game schedule, unless you guys get you know shipped all overseas again, uh, you'll have nine home, eight away and coach allen said yesterday the strength of schedule means nothing until you play the actual team i don't care about strength of schedule until you play the team but away you got at dallas playoff team at kansas city at green bay all three playoff teams and at the giants and at the chargers uh, i mean that's you know those that would be tough i don't care who you know what how you yeah. finished the year before those that's that's the tough place to play on the road yeah look i
2: I don't know. I, I think every NFL team is a tough team to play uh, on the road or at home. And, and we've said this many times in the past. It's not so much um, who you play and what the record is. It's when you play them. And and if they happen to be playing well when you play them, then that's a tougher um, that's a tougher road to hold. And so uh, the schedule is a schedule. We'll play it out. And hopefully they're going to think that we're tough to play.
1: Tom. Oh. Totally agree. And home, only one question. I don't know if you saw that, the Denver's coming and there'll be Sean Payton's return. Uh, that'll be interesting and fun, right? Yeah, we'll roll up, roll, we will roll out the red carpet for Sean. <laughs> Just, Kira, do you know, or when will you know, when do teams find out if they do have to go play in, you know, Mexico or Germany or, or London again? When do, you, when do y'all find out? Yeah, that comes... Uh...
2: I think it comes around March, maybe a little before. Sometimes they'll announce a couple at the Super Bowl. They've done that in the past. Um, yeah, so so, um, but we, you know, we've done that fairly recently. I wouldn't expect that we're in that rotation. But look, I don't, I don't really know. I know they've added some games, so um, it's above my pay grade. Yep.
1: Well, uh, I appreciate the time. As always, have a great off season, and you know, it'll be it'll be here before you know it. So we'll be talking senior ball and, and draft uh, right around the corner. Good, Mike. I appreciate being with you this season.
2: Uh, appreciate your patience and all your questions, and, and uh, you did a good job for us,
1: so thank you. Let's pause 10 seconds to let stations identify themselves here on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. When we come back, we will have Saints broadcast sideline reporter Jeff Nowak. We'll talk about what went well for the Saints this season and, of course, the strong finish you are listening to the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints sideline reporter Jeff Nowak. And not the way the Saints wanted to finish the season, of course. I mean, yes, four of your last five and beating the Falcons 48-17 pretty strong, but not that first item on the list, which was playoffs and, and win the division. I mean, it feels like been here before with the strong finish only to come up just a little short.
4: Yeah, I mean, what I would say is you finished the season exactly how you hoped you could finish the season. The problem is you put yourself in a position where that wasn't good enough. Um, You know, in the preseason, you know, I put out these schedule predictions every year. I go game by game and say, this is what I think is going to happen in this game. This is what I think is going to happen in this game. Uh, You know, and it's almost always wrong. You know, you're guessing based on stuff. You have no idea, you know, by week 15, what something's going to look like, right? Well, you know, one of the things that I definitely did see coming was that you were going to go out to L.A. and struggle in that game. A, a, a short week, cross-country, that's a very difficult scenario for anybody, especially when you're playing a team that, has, that is playing at the top of its game, which the Rams were. So the, the failure of the season wasn't going out and losing that game. It was going out there and having to win that game. And, you know, that's where you look at the Saints team and you – you know the 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 last the four of the fast winning four of your final five games gives you a lot of optimism in terms of this is what it was supposed to look like but it also raises so many questions and frustrations of why did it take so long to look like that and i i kind of like my question for a lot of guys in the locker room was kind of you know does this can you carry over something like this stretch at the end of the season or do you start fresh and i think what most guys would tell you is you know, yes, to some extent, you can carry things over. You can keep building in the offense stuff like Rashid Chahey, Chris Olave, Kendra Miller, A.T. Perry, these young players that are going to be the core of your future offense. You know, them building chemistry with the quarterback and really just getting better and better as the season goes on. You can carry that over. But then there is kind of still a reset every year. You change some members of the coaching staff. You some veteran players move on. Maybe you make a couple of trades. You got a new batch of rookies. So you do kind of have to build that chemistry again. Um, and so my my question going into next season, and I think it's going to be the huge question, is can you keep trending forward, keep trending upward, or do you continue to go into this cycle of okay, well? we start slow, we start slow. Or in this case, the case of this season, you start reasonably quickly and then just fall off a face of the earth halfway through the season. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be the story. I think Dennis Allen's going to get his, his third season, but if you see a repeat of this, you can't continue it. I, you know, the schedule is going to be more difficult, but I look at it and say, you know, you didn't beat the good teams this year. So you're just slotting the better teams in. you're still going to get games against bad teams. And one thing this team has proven is it can beat the bad teams. Um, but like I think you go into next season, you look at this year and you say nine and eight's a slight improvement. <clears throat> you know, I don't know what your expectations were, but they couldn't have been much higher. Like my I was at 10 and 7. My prediction was 10 and 7, and you were pretty much there. It, I think you kind of have to look at next season. The the difficult schedule, the more difficult schedule can't be the excuse. It has to be playoffs or bust, your runway is done. Either fly or sit on the ground, and we're gonna start over. That's kind of how I look at it
1: let's talk about Derek Carr a little bit it injures the shoulder and the concussion really you know week three was tough but if I just showed you his numbers let's go okay here's Derek Carr 2023 17 games 17 starts um at the injuries you know against Minnesota and Detroit as well what would what would your takeaway be if you just kind of look at the numbers forget the, what you've seen and then tell me your
4: overall impression I think you look at Derek Carr's statistics And you say this was a very representative Derek Carr season, right? Like you didn't get anything out uh, incredible, you know, but I think the final four games, you know, I joked with Eric McCoy in the locker room, you know, and uh, it it is a joke, but at the same time, there might be something to it where if, you know, from the point that Eric McCoy screamed at Derek Carr on the field, you got not just high level Derek Carr, you got like elite, Level Derek Carr, you got like I think it was fourteen touchdowns, one interception since that point. You know, a little over a thousand yards, like seventy five percent completion percentage. Right. You know, That's and crazy. and I think you know Derek's got a ton of criticism this year. You know, Da and and Mickey, I think to some extent have tried to minimize that by pointing to the injuries and saying, well, we didn't. I don't think we necessarily got the full form of him until later in the year, and now you're seeing what you can expect and. I guess you know my response to that would be, yeah, but you could have just sat him down for a week in week four and and maybe this wouldn't have been the conversation we had to have. So that's partially on the team and on Derek. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of criticisms of Derek Carr. In in a lot of ways, they're merited in a lot. In a lot of ways, they maybe were a little unfair. Um, but I, I do think that as you go into next season, if there was any question in your mind of at, at the very least what the Saints were going to do, not necessarily what you want, as a fan, as you're watching this, but what the saints are going to do, they're going to look at this and say, you know, we saw a glimpse of what Derek could be in this offense. And we feel like this was a game without the players. You went into the season saying, okay, Alvin Kamara, Mike Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore. These are your stars. None of those guys played. You dominated 48 to 17. You won that game. We can talk all we want about the final play and, and how that was the story. But in reality, you look at it and you're like, well, the story of that game should have been that this offense, without the star players you expected going into the season, put up 48 points on a, on a rival that also had a chance to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, playing and forever. So you have
4: to look at Derek and say he stepped up in a difficult time when he had to. If he had gone in and and, and struggled that the final four games, you lose three out of four, this is a completely different conversation. So we have to give the guy credit for coming out and, and stepping up and, and putting up when he had to. Dennis
1: Allen talked about the how the run game needs to get better. So this year, they were 3.6 yards of play, 4.3 last year. And back in 2020, the last time this team made the playoffs, they were 4.6. That's a yard, right? That's a that's a pretty big yard in the NFL to, from an average per play, 3.6 to 4.6. And you certainly clearly love what you see out of Kendra Miller in Week 18, but he didn't play between week nine to week 18. So that's also tough.
4: I did love what I saw out of Kendra. I'm very glad that he was able to get on the field and show that because, you know, we, we had seen glimpses, but I don't think you ever saw kind of a featured opportunity for him. Even earlier in the season when Alvin wasn't there, right? He was hurt weeks one and two. So you didn't really get a chance to see him. then Alvin had been healthy. Jamal had been healthy since what week seven. Right. So you didn't really get a chance even when he was out there to feature him. He had a 30-plus yard play against the Patriots. He had a 30-plus yard game or play against the Bears. Those was the only two plays by Saints running backs this year that went for 30-plus yards. He has both of them. Um, he just showed burst and wiggle and that, that we just haven't seen. And, and, you know, I love Alvin Kamara. I do think that his days of being kind of a three-down featured back are, if nothing else, is limited, right? Like, I think you need to have a really solid – Punch, counter punch. And right in this season you didn't have that because I think Jamal was ineffective. Um, if I I think that if he doesn't come back next season and show that this was kind of an aberration, maybe the injury kind of sapped him of some of his burst, that he could be cut next. Se- like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the cuts at the end of training camp if we don't if he doesn't come back and show that he's got a little bit more juice than we saw this year. Uh, but one way or the other, you need a you need a second punch next to Alvin and so hopefully Kendra can be that guy but again it's like it comes down to the, the blocking right I don't think the run blocking was good enough in the first half of the season I don't think the play calling and the execution was where it had to be just in general
1: did you take a break we'll be right back with the Saints hour Mike Koss and sideline reporter Jeff Nowak here on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints radio network welcome back to the Saints hour Mike Koss along with the Saint sideline reporter Jeff Nowak we spent the first block talking about offense so Let's talk defense. So clearly an emphasis in the offseason put on interceptions, and they come up with 18. Only San Francisco and Chicago had more. Just give, give me your impressions of of kind of this defense feels young in some spots, older in some spots. I mean, it's like it's, it's the numbers say it's a good defense. Don't mess around too much.
4: It's a good defense. You know, I, I, I do think you need to install some some youth at, at a few positions. And, and the funny thing is you, you tried to install that youth but Peyton Turner's been hurt, right? Like, uh, you know, that that's where it feels like you really just don't have it as the edge rusher position. But you, you tried, right? right. <laughs> you, you did, you added Peyton Turner. as a first-round pick. You added Isaiah Foskey, you know? And so I think you're still hopeful for those guys, but it's like, can you count on them? You know, I think Isaiah's is tough because it's like, he's a rookie, it's a quad injury, but man, these are important reps. You want to be able to look at that rookie season and come away saying, this is where you struggle, this is where you have to improve. He just didn't get on the field enough to really have that idea of, of where he needs to get better. Or at least I don't have that idea. I'm sure coaches have a better picture. Um, so I, I, it's tough for me to gauge what's next there, but I, I feel like Alanti Taylor and Paulson Adebo are two pieces you're going to build around. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, is he traded? Do you, do you try to move on from him in some way? I don't think the experiment with Alante Taylor in the slot went as you might've hoped it would. He struggled. He got benched in two of the last three games. I think in a perfect world, that experiment would be over, but there's nowhere to put him on the field on the outside right now. And I think that's why when you look at Marshawn in this kind of equation, maybe it's time, you know, maybe it's time to, to kind of reset at the outside corner position. I don't know, but I like where you're at there. I like Jordan Howden. I think he's a good young player. Tyron Matthew is, is, seemingly eternal. DeMario Davis is seemingly eternal. So I don't, I don't feel bad about where you're at with them from an age perspective. Um, and yeah, and I think Brian Brzee has been good. So, you know, I, I think you can look at it and you can find a lot of positives. You can find, you know, you have a young players in Pete Warner, obviously Brian Brzee, as, as you mentioned, you know, Malcolm Roach, I imagine will be back when he, when he gets back from that knee injury. I think they, they do like him. I think the approach early in the season, you know, I think you, you did force turnovers, but I do think the defense got too passive. I think you relied a little too much on covering on the outside and not, and and thinking we're going to rush for, and we're going to generate pressure and we don't have to worry about it. And that didn't work. Um, And in the, in the second half of the season, I think the adjustment was you, you just stopped, you stopped reacting so much as you forced the issue. You were the aggressor. You sent pressure. You, you dialed up a pass rush with Zach Bond that, is very similar to what you did with Cade Nellis last year. I asked Dennis Salon. like it's not so much you're going to change your prototype at defensive end, but this is a role that you should be able to to establish as you know we're going to do this. This is part of our defense now, and I think he 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 agrees with that to some extent. So I got to be interested to see what they do with Zach Bond. Um, do they resign him? Can they resign him? It, does a team that has a three four scheme come in and offer a deal that doesn't make sense for the Saints to match? I don't know, but I I do think that. One thing the Saints defense has been able to do this year is kind of is adjust is is find ways um, that I don't know if they were able to do last year so much. You know, I, I think that that's what they'd obviously had that streak of of holding teams to less than 20 points. But, you know, I, I think that can be a little misleading at times. I, I like where the defense is. I, I think the roster is actually not as far off as as some people might want to believe. And it's just a question of can you get the right pieces in the right places and you can get them playing at a high enough level and um again you know these last four games I think make you feel a lot better about where that where that could be and where it should be
1: special teams it was interesting you know with with Blake Ruby you go with two rookies uh move on from Will Lutz and Blake Gilligan and they both set rookie records they both had some I I don't know if I would say Headley had ups and downs But it it took a while to kind of wrap your head around uh, watching him. We talked to Phil Galliano last night, and, you know, he's exactly what you want because you're not returning them. If you're not getting the the other team to return the punt, unless you're shanking it out of bounds, that's that's what you want. Just overall, those two rookies, to me, battled through some, you know, challenging issues or challenging times to to be at least the Saints got to feel okay where they are.
4: Yeah, the the everyone's gonna look back, go back for Groupie and look at the miss in Green Bay, and while that's frustrating, you know, it's like yes, this is a these are the learning moments, and that's why when they went with Blake uh, in the in the beginning, I was like, you're gonna, you know, the frustrating thing here is like, I think he's gonna be a very good kicker, but you're going with a rookie at a key position, and you're gonna have to deal with the rookie ups and downs. They happen at every position. Like, why I don't understand why everyone looks at the kicker position and doesn't kind of doesn't kind of bake in mistakes. And like, you know, if you, if you were starting a rookie, if you were starting Brian Brzee week one saying you are the three down defensive tackle and you're not coming off the field in any circumstance, you are always going to be there. And you'd be like, he's going to, he's going to struggle, like start a rookie quarterback. He's going to struggle. Like that's what happens with rookies. And you saw that with Blake, you know, he missed a few kicks, those two kicks inside 30, those are concerning. But at the same time, when you go 40 for 40 from 33, it's hard to look at that and say, Oh, clearly there's an issue. It's, I think you, you're you going to go back and you, you look at that closely and you'll see the operation didn't go right. And so that's another thing that we didn't have really talked about is Lou Headley is a, a rookie as a holder, you right. know, and they're learning how to be together. And I think there were those two kicks. You could probably come back and say something went wrong. Cause you don't miss that type of kick. You know, you don't miss a layup unless something happens. Right. Um, either way. You know, I think he he made his final seven kicks of the season. He obviously had that tough stretch. He missed a couple kicks in Houston. Uh, he missed a long one against Jacksonville. In the end, you're looking at a guy who made 30 or 37, which you know you probably like that that percentage to be closer to 85, 87, but you're not mad about that. So I feel good about him in the sense that, again, as a rookie, you would expect him to be at his most inconsistent, and now you're going forward and you're like, okay, this is what we got. This is the baseline. Build on it with Lou. Again, I think people got way too caught up in what it looks like and not the actual results. I mean, the dude, you're, he just throws kicks inside the 20 as if it's the easiest thing in the world to do. And, you know, sometimes you're talking about 17, 18, but in a lot of these instances, either at 10. Right. The, 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 the returner, I can't remember who it was, he fielded a kick at the 6. You know why you field a kick at the 6? Because you're pretty sure it's going to end up at the 2. But like... You know, and he did that so consistently. What Darren Rizzi was looking for in a punter was someone where he could game plan coverage and returns and take away everything that they want to do. Re- eliminate returns completely and force them to have to feel difficult kicks or allow this guy who's very good at locating kicks to pin you deep. And And I feel like you're going to feel like you're in good, a good position with those two guys going forward.
1: Totally agree. I appreciate your time, as always. Have a great off season and come back tomorrow and get back to work. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's I'm
4: excited. Do it. 2024, baby. Mock That's draft right. season.
1: All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. And that will wrap up tonight's show. My thanks to Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis, Doug Miller, the Executive Director of Football Communications, and Davis friend, and in fact, everyone at Saints Drive who helped make this show possible each and every week, and to Charlie Long in the booth, and to everyone here that make the broadcast possible as well. The 2024 season will culminate with Super Bowl 2025. That will be right here in New Orleans at Caesars Superdome, Super Bowl 59. So we are already looking forward to that. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Os, saying good night for the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network.